It's time for Heat Wave Sports. Sit back and relax as you take a tour around the world of sports each and every Saturday and Sunday night. And now, your hosts for Heat Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby and Tom Barton. It's that time again. Welcome on in. Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 989 FM, 1340 AM. Tim Mugglesby and Brian with you live from Sin City, Las Vegas, Nevada, as we're going to take you around the world of sports here until the midnight hour gets you ready for, of course, right? What else, what else do we talk about half the year? The NFL Week 15. We'll even break down tonight's special Saturday night game here in a little bit. Joining me, as always, my cohort in crime, one of my best friends, Tom Barton, TomBartonSports.com. Tommy, uh, this is a rarity here towards the end of the year. We actually got back-to-back shows this weekend. Yeah, we got back-to-back shows. We were going to have a full uh, two games and some Raiders to talk about tonight. Uh, Not so much. What a crazy week when you're talking about sports news going on. Things like Urban Meyer uh, out there. You could talk about Tiger Woods and all that was going on. We have just ridiculous cancellations. We have some baseball news. Want to get into some basketball. Kyrie to the rescue, the unvaccinated Kyrie. Well, yeah, that didn't last long, but he was almost going to have to be to the rescue. In hockey, we have cancellations there. College basketball, we got some big games. I mean, this is, and, and oh, by the way, how about some bowl games? I mean, we have some huge stories to talk about, Tim. Uh, we're going to need two nights to do it at the very least, so I'm glad we're on both nights here. Both nights, and after tomorrow night, Tommy, will be our last show of 2021, because when we come back next Sunday night, it'll be January the 2nd, but hey, that's all right. We're going to close the year out on a bang, get through the holidays, and start out year. Tom, get this. We're going to start out year number 12 on the radio airwaves. How about that? That's pretty cool. That's pretty yeah. cool. A good solid dozen on the air. <laughs> Longest running, continuous sports show in Las Vegas. Yes. I, I mean, that's uh, that's an accomplishment. Highest rated weekend show documented. Yeah, we're allowed to say that. We're allowed to say that, guys. Yep, yep. <laughs> right. Let's celebrate with it, right? We, we are, and, and unlike some other shows around town uh, that sit back and they don't understand how ratings work, we absolutely do understand how ratings work. And uh, you guys could, could toot your horn and everything else, but... We're sitting back going, hey, 12 years. Yeah, we're still on the air for 12 years. That make, makes a little bit of sense. Absolutely. We appreciate everybody that's listened in. And with the advent of social media, has chimed in. You know, I get I get a lot now. The last, Tommy, I'd say the last six weeks or so, I get just direct messages sometimes like, interested to keep up with you guys on the free place every weekend. And, and let's take a look at this for the year. And this is just using NFL week. So we're 14 weeks through. 18-9-1 on free plays. I don't care who you are. Even if we lost every other free play through the rest of the year, we would still end up profitable for the NFL season. Yeah, and you know, I love uh, having constant contact with guys that go, well, you know, use my monitoring service or use my service and watch this. I go, is there a better monitoring service than giving the play out every <laughs> single week for free on right. the air? I mean, can you Can you get more 
absolute than giving out a play for free on the end. No, no, you can't. Uh, they, these guys are going out there. They're saying, oh, yeah, watch this. Watch what I could do. Document this and document that. Well, we're sitting back going, no, no, no. We're, gonna, we're just going to tell you live on the air. Just make sure you listen in. Live on the air, and, and we can't even lie about it. It's recorded and posted on the, the podcast page. So yeah, it's, exactly. it's there for everybody. And I'm going to throw out a, a, just a, a cheap um, – it's not even. It's not even a cheap plug. It's more of a listen. For almost a decade, we've done a Super Bowl show every year. Of course, last year we couldn't do it, but uh, we've always had places we could go. Uh, we've been at numerous places: Beer Park, Hooters. We look uh, PTs. We've done a lot over the years. So I've I've done a little bit of research, Tom. And, and this is the thing I'm throwing out. Anybody listening? Anybody that can help us, if anybody knows of a place that would love to have a Super Bowl remote for this season, just get in touch with me through the direct message, and uh, we'd love to, to bring the show to you guys. And, and look, we're not even looking for, for a, a huge financial gain out of this. We just like to take the show on the road, Tom, and I know it's always one of the bigger shows of the year because everybody can come out and have a say in it because it is a Super Bowl. And look, we're, we're on the road to the Super Bowl. We're a month out of the regular season being done and then of course the playoffs so before you know it right february's here and it's time for the big game yeah and what i love is that uh, you know we call it the traveling road show <laughs> you know um you know there, there's there's only a few of us that are working on the show that night and then uh, 15 20 people come out to kind of watch it and hang out and uh you know they're listening in so if you are a, a bar or a restaurant they're gonna buy the food they're gonna buy the drinks they're gonna you know you're gonna you're gonna get into it so uh, it, it's pretty nice i like to see when the listeners come out and yeah. you know you get the uh the listeners in the crowd kind of getting pumped up and that happens year after year as well which is really really cool i like that we're uh, we're exploring this year i'm gonna try to figure out a, a cool spot Yep, if you could help us out, direct message me or get a hold of Tommy as well on, on Twitter. And uh, we'll see. We can put together a prize pack for you for helping us out. Like I said, we're not looking for this huge financial uh, boon to do this. We'll basically do it for free. We just want to be out on the road and get to, get to you know, last year it kind of sucked. It really did. We, we had done it so consistently year after year. It was hard to tell people, Tom, like, hey, man, nobody's letting us come in and, and set up. And I think even with what we're going to lead into here to open this show, uh, the the rise in the numbers it's it's a completely different mindset I think for especially in Las Vegas for the way people are and you can tell you can tell right now I'm looking at a security cameras in my office and the street is just uh, you know I'm on one of the busier streets in Las Vegas consistent traffic up and down so look we've come a long way and we want to get back out there to do our big show with everybody so yes if if you know of any place that you think would be a good place to have a remote or if you have a hookup with somebody just just hit us up and, and we'll work something out I promise. And again, thank you for listening for what will be year number 12 on its way here in just a couple short weeks. But I want to start, Tom, with something that you and I talked about the other day. And it's, um, look, not it's nothing political. It's nothing with the way I believe or what you believe. But th the game postpone postponements here, and, and it's extended from National Football League, uh, NBA, college basketball, college football, NHL. I'm going to say it. it's it's a little ridiculous at this point, Tom. It's moronic is what it is. It, it's pure, and you could call it political, call it not political. There are certain things that we now know about what COVID is. And we've asked throughout all of this process, throughout this entire process, just give us consistency. 
right? Just give us consistency. If you're going to make a rule, stick with the rule. Give us the consistency when we're talking about, uh, you know, the, the COVID itself, when we're talking about how we're going to police COVID. Well, the NFL basically came out this week, and essentially what they did is they said, look, you know, getting vaccinated is, is useless. I mean, that, that's what they said, according to the NFL. This is not Tom Barton's opinion. This is not my take on it. The NFL told and pressured the players to get a vaccine. They did so with the knowledge, and they put out a league-wide message and made a very, very, very big deal about the idea that if you get the vaccine and you have you know problems, we are not canceling games. We will not cancel games because of COVID no matter what. So go out there and run and get that vaccine. And they made people that decided not to get the vaccine the enemy. Cole Beasley and Carson Wentz and even Aaron Rodgers, they made them the enemy for not getting the vaccine. And that was kind of the separating point. Well, now they're canceling games, Tim. And they're canceling games here um, because, well, wait a minute, it's the vaccinated people that are giving other vaccinated people the, the disease. So they're, they're canceling games. That's what they're doing. So now, you know, the players are rightfully so. Again, this is not Tom Barton's opinion. This is the players' opinion. The players are angry. You made us get this experimental, uh, you know, vaccine. We are the lowest percentage in the world of people that were going to get it. When you talk about age, athletic experience, size and weight and height and all that, right? Um, you made us get that because you said if we didn't, we were, we're not moving games. We're going to be lose playoff games. Now... You're making adjustments anyway. So, you know, the NFL is the, the league here that is telling us what's going on. It's so bad now after this weekend's games, they're going to come out with a new set of protocol, a new updated set of things. You know, K.J. Wright came out and he was visibly, I, I mean, furious. And then he went to Twitter and talked about it uh, where he basically said, look, you know, why do the Raiders have to suffer for another team you know, getting a COVID outbreak because the Browns got a COVID outbreak and now you have that. Why are other teams suffering? And you see people, now there's more divisiveness. And it's not divisiveness among vaxxed and unvaxxed, which is, you know, what they want to constantly say. What it is, is it's divisiveness amongst people saying, this is what we're going to do. So go and take this experimental vaccine that could harm you to prevent you against something that probably won't harm you. And that is the problem. That is why there's so much anger here. Basketball could be the same uh, equation. Look, Kyrie Irving was laughed at, thrown out. No, you cannot play because you're not getting the vaccine. Well, most of the Nets can't feel the team right now because they are positive. Um, what we now know about the vaccine, Tim, and this is, this is to go beyond just sports, what we know about the vaccine is it's ineffective. Okay? It does not stop the spread of the vaccine. As a matter of fact, 80% of all the new cases um, are from vaccinated people. And you see people coming on the air, like Shannon Sharp, this nutbag, and going, well, you got to get the boosters. No, 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 no. Uh, let, let's be very clear. By getting the vaccine and getting the boosters, you're helping yourself. Okay, you're helping yourself lessen the problems. You're helping yourself decrease well you know what instead of having 103 fever and sick for three days you'll get 102 fever and just get, get sick for one day it does not the vaccine does not stop the spread of the virus masks do not stop the spread of the virus 
Vaccine doesn't slow down the spread. Masks do not slow down the spread. Boosters do not stop or slow down the spread. We know this now. The CDC was the one who told us 80% of the new cases are from vaccinated people. We know this. So the idea to cancel games after you force these guys to get a vaccine that most of them you can hear outwardly did not want it is just more of the not consistency that we have been living through for a while. I don't care if you're on the I want to be vaccinated or not vaccinated side of this thing here. We now have enough data to understand with a smart head. It is not stopping the spread of it. So what are you going to do? You separate the vaccinated from the unvaccinated. You're putting it in a position where you have actual actual people standing up there and saying, well, now it's because of the booster issue. Look, just take the loss, right? I mean, just accept we have to treat everybody exactly the same. It doesn't matter if you're vaccinated or unvaccinated at this point. It means literally nothing. So treat everybody the same. And that's what I think that the NFL is going to do. I think they're going to come up with a set of protocols here, Tim. I think they're going to revise their protocols and come up with something that makes some sense. But if I'm the NFL Players Association, if I'm the NFL players, I'm furious that you made me take this weird experimental thing into my arm that could have really damaged me because you changed the rules. And now you're rechanging the rules again. Exactly. We're over a year into it, and and the rules change every day. When you look at, for instance, you and I, right, Tom, you're not vaxxed. I am vaxxed. It's not an issue of whether what you believe or what I believe. It's a matter of, like you said, why did I vax it? I have have a a daughter that, um, you know, it was told to me that it was just better if if they don't, if they get, first it wasn't even supposed to affect children, right? And then it was like, well, you don't want them to get those type of symptoms and, and you just want to stop anything if you do. Then it was, like you said, well, if I do get it and I'm vaxxed, maybe it won't be as bad, right? Which we've seen that happen. Then it was, well, you can't, once you get it, you're not going to get it again because you already got the antibodies. Well, Sean Payton just got it for the second time, right, Tom? So nobody knows. And you're right. They, they, uh, when it comes especially to the NFL, and I know, it, like I said, it's extended into other leagues, but it's like the NFL always – the thing I hate about the NFL, Tom, is that they're never wrong. They're always right, and they're always the ones to say, see, we told you that it would work this way. But the problem is now they have the whole PA pissed off at them. Uh, the Raiders' legitimate gripe, right? And at first it was, well, if everybody's vaxxed, we're not we're not forfeiting any games because it's the unvax that's going to cause problems. So they, like you said, basically painted them into a corner to have to get this thing. And now they're just re, re, what are they saying now that if they're vaxxed and they show no symptoms and they don't have to worry about it? Is that essentially what 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 I'm reading? Yeah, and, and, and what what's funny though, Tim is is yes, that's exactly what you're reading. And what I love is this, you know, you cannot play even if you're vaxxed, right? Um, no matter what, but we're going to put 70,000 people in the stadium to watch you guys play. <laughs> right? Regardless of vaxxed or not vaxxed. Um, it's just the inconsistencies. You know, go back to the very beginning of all this. And, you know, I was one of the people that said, look, mandates are ridiculous. They will not work. Masks will not work. Lockdowns will not work. Because you can't pick and choose. Now, if you, and I, I told you this from the very beginning, Tim. If you said to me, as, as a country, if you were able to say, we're actually going to have actual lockdowns for two weeks to kind of get rid of this. Actual, real lockdowns. I would have been on board. 
but you can't shut down some businesses and not others. You can't say, you know what, we're shutting down churches, but we're going to have a line around the block at a Walmart. Okay? You cannot sit back and say, we're shutting bars down, but you could go into the liquor store next door and buy liquor. You know, you couldn't, you can't sit back there and, and pick and choose. And that's exactly what this country did. And, and it failed miserably. And look, you know, I understand you, uh, it gets into a political realm. The last tenure and the last tenure president did a phenomenal job. And there's just statistics to show it's phenomenal job with COVID, uh, what he, he attempted to try to contain. But you can't contain it. This you know, tenure and this president is going to address the nation on Tuesday regarding COVID again. Netherlands just shut down. Scotland's looking to shut down this week. UK probably going to have another lockdown, uh, despite lockdowns being proven completely ineffective. And you start to just understand this is not political. Whether it be Trump or Biden, you can't control this. Whether it be uh, England or America, you can't control it. Everyone's going to somewhat get it. We're all going to kind of have to live with it. And when people say it's like the flu, I don't believe that they believe, I at least hope that they don't believe that all the symptoms are like the flu. I think that they believe, listen, there are people that get flu shots, people that don't. People that are going to spread it to other people and people that are going to get hit harder with it and not. And we're going to have to live with it year after year and time after time. And I think we have to get into a sports world as well where we have to live with COVID. Right now, the Omicron, which has had zero deaths, from it and they're calling it a, a mild cold they shouldn't be shutting down the NFL a bunch of 20 year old physically fit ridiculously in shape athletes who might get a cold and that's that's where we are as a nation right now that we have to get some kind of consistency we have to understand while this can be bad we've gone through the steps masks tried them don't work vaccines tried them don't work Boosters, tried them, don't work. You know, lockdowns, tried them, they don't work to stop the spread. It's going to spread. So the NFL, you messed up. NBA, you messed up, right? And everyone's kind of trying to scramble to try to find what what's next. How do we do this? How do we figure it out? I, I don't have the answer right now, Tim. My answer would be, look, you kind of, if they're, they're asymptomatic, let them play. They're, it's just going to basically be that situation but you know the nfl players have a legitimate gripe you forced something on them and now you're changing the rules but when it comes to the so look at these for example there uh there was a college basketball doubleheader that was supposed to happen today here in las vegas two of those teams backed out due to covid protocol the other so they end up matching the, the two left the two teams that were left to play but those games won't be made up. Um, the NFL, they're not postponing games, Tommy. They're just moving them. They're, these games are going to be played. And it, just like last year, right, they move games during the week, extend the week out, because isn't it at the end of the day, if we're talking about dollars and cents, isn't that what it is for the NFL, dollars and cents? It absolutely is. And what, what really stinks is, you know what, in the NBA, you, look, I, I hate to just – kind of brush it aside but you lose a game or two here and there no big deal it's a long season we're starting to get going um you can live through an 82 game season where you know 86 game season you, you miss 10 games here or there maybe you don't make a, a, up some but you will and you have time that's fine college basketball the same thing 
you know, while UCLA was postponed, it, that's a big matchup. But it's not even in conference play. You could kind of get past it. In the NFL, this means the playoffs are not. Right? I mean, there, there are some games that will mean absolutely mean the playoffs or not. And I'm going to go even a little bit further. Forget about even the playoffs or not. You know that if a game is canceled, the players forfeit their game check. Right? You, you don't get paid. So let's say that Cleveland all of a sudden can't field a roster on Tuesday. Because there is a chance that things could get worse. I don't think they will, but things could get worse. Then the Raiders actually, you know, if one team forfeits, the Raiders actually don't get a check. Both Teams do not get a check on a forfeit, Tim. So all of those players, we think about the NFL players, and we automatically think of $25 million a year. We think about the top guys. No, but a lot of these guys are kind of playing for their, their lunch here, right? They're playing to put food on the table. Um, they are playing 16-game seasons. That, that game check is massive. If another team forfeits, you don't get your paycheck. And it's, it could be guys that are 100% healthy, they have no symptoms. They don't feel anything, and you're forfeiting because of that. I mean, this is massive playoffs, game checks. This is real life kind of you know incentive. You know how many guys on in that contract have if we make the playoffs? What kind of bonus that will be? You know, we again we always think about these you know uh, in fantasy terms, players in fantasy terms. Where in fantasy terms, they're not real players. They're not real human beings, Tim. Right, their names on the screen. They are robots to us. No, no, start thinking about the actual human beings. What you're doing to them, you force them to make medical decisions that they did not want to make, and you put them in more harm. The vaccine for an NFL player. Listen, my mom is you know 70 years old. She asked me, should I get the shot? I said, absolutely, you should. Okay, so anybody out there that just thinks I'm against vaccines, no, my mom's 70 years old. Go get that shot. But for a 23 or 24 year old NFL player. There's more risk in getting the vaccine than not. You know, I read somewhere, and, and it was a, a pretty great quote. They said, look, by not getting the shot, I am 100% protected against a vaccine and the problems that a vaccine causes. But I'm still 98 and 98 point whatever, 9% chance that I'm okay with COVID. The other way around you are now, okay, well, you might be 99%. Remember, look, the, the percentages in COVID, still 99% COVID, even with the vaccine, but now you're opening yourself up to these other problems. That's where the Players Association really will have a gripe. You forced me to make a medical decision based on rules that you told us would not change. Now the rules have changed. You mentioned that there's a... What is it? A state of state address uh, this week with with Biden. What do you what do you think is happening here? Is it going to get worse, or is it just going to be we're going to go um, more restrictions? I mean, I it's going to get worse. Yeah. It's going to get worse. Um, look, you got to read the tea leaves. In the very beginning of all this that that happened, um, you started to see if you're if you're somebody like me that pay, pays a lot of attention to world politics and whatnot. You start to see the writing on the wall in certain areas, and you know that that eventually people follow suit. And you don't have to go even worldwide. The Ivy Leagues were the first team to cancel. First, they started canceling classes. Right, I'm still part of the uh, Harvard uh, email chain, so I see uh, all of a sudden Harvard universities canceling classes, and I'm going, "What? Are they canceling classes for?" Then they they started pulled out of their tournament. And if you remember, I did a YouTube video, and you guys can go check all my YouTube videos out at Tom Barton Sports, please. Um, 
I did a YouTube video and I was bashing the Ivy Leagues. What kind of reaction is this? How do you cancel? Tim, about two weeks later, everybody canceled, right? So Harvard was ahead of the curve. The Ivy Leagues were ahead of the curve. People start to be ahead of the curve. Like I said, today, the Netherlands went into a lockdown. Scotland, Ireland, they're marching in the streets arguing, do not lock us down again. England, uh, it's the one of the number one trending things on Twitter, lockdown UK. They are expecting them to be locked down very quickly. It's going to start to get worse. Now, I don't know if it's going to get worse before Christmas. Do they wait until after Christmas? I'm not sure. But I think it's going to kind of happen. And, and look, Biden can't come out there. No matter how much you like, you know, Bush for brains or how much you, you don't like him, he can't come out there and tell the nation to lock down, right? He's just going to give us his assessment on it. We kind of heard a little bit about that. This week, he basically said, if you're not vaxxed, you will all die over the holiday weekend. Beautiful, uplifting message by our president. But we know what he's going to say. It's going to be the states again, Tim. It's going to be what state do you live in and how will that state handle it? During lockdown, when we were in the height, height, height of COVID, I went to Florida four times, right? And I was in New York and I went to Florida. When I was in New York... My sister, my family were terrified to leave the house. We were getting packages delivered to the house and they were wiping them down with Clorox bleaches. The packages, Tim, okay? Because that is the state of alert that New York was under. We went to Florida, not a mask in sight. And you look at the results, again, be political or not, New York has still has the worst rates. Florida has the best rates, right? So it, it didn't really matter. What's going to happen is it's going to divide this country more. It's going to divide the country because if you live in a blue state, you will probably be restricted and shut down. If you live in a red state, you will be operational and be perfectly fine. And I wouldn't be surprised in a sports realm if we have to move again, Tim, to a spot where maybe the NBA has to go play in Florida again. Maybe we are sitting there and moving the Super Bowl from Los Angeles, which is going to obviously be shut down, to a place like Texas. I do believe that things are going to get worse in the next couple of weeks. More I think about it, I, I'm I totally, I totally agree with you. But I think for where I'm at, and, and you know, I like to think uh, alternate theories as well. But I don't think they're going to want to do what they did to us last time. I don't think we're so much in trouble. Whereas you in New York, Tom, I definitely think you're in trouble. Yeah. New York, California, there's two or three places where um, not the brightest bulbs run the show, we'll say, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, Uh, and when I start thinking about the Super Bowl, that's the big one, um, I start thinking, how can they possibly hold this in Los Angeles? How how can they possibly do it? And I think that the NFL has to make a decision rather quickly if they are going to think about moving the the location, you know, start, start to think now. Start to think like Elon Musk and get out of California and move to Texas. You know what I mean? I, it makes sense to just get ahead of this thing because if you see other countries starting to shut down, you see that the panic is starting to set in once again, and you know California and New York are going to be right at the forefront of that panic setting in, it, it will be interesting. I will say this, though, Tim. Um, the new governor here in New York, Hockey, you know, she... Um, she said, basically, look, New York is all shutting down. We're going back to a full mask mandate. But the counties can determine if they're going to enforce the mask mandate. I live in a county that said, <laughs> we're not enforcing that. So is there really a mandate in New York State, Tim, if 
the county that I live in and the county next to me, uh, both of these two counties are saying, yeah, we're not enforcing it. You know, I wonder if that's how the governors are going to kind of handle it this time where they say, OK, there's a mandate across the state. But in this count, but each county can decide because it's the pass the buck mentality. Yeah, and uh, you're right. If if L.A. is not capable of holding the Super Bowl, Jerry Jones will more than be happy to have it there. And so will Tampa again, Tom, like they did last year. Right. I mean, it's. Uh, yeah, I don't think is. they're going to give it to Tampa again, but it, w- it would be interesting. Right. Because they know they could work with it there. They know mm-hmm. it worked perfectly fine there. It was it was great. In the height of the pandemic for a lot of people, uh, it was a seamless Super Bowl. I just said Texas just because I thought, you know what, we gave it to Florida once. Texas is, is the same kind of thing. It wouldn't shock me if they went back to, down there. See, they won't go to Miami because Miami is um, is very blue and they're, they're, they would be locking down in a, as a county, you know. So they won't go to Miami because of that. Jacksonville is a possibility, but remember, they had the Jacksonville Super Bowl one year, and it was a mess. Everybody said that we're never going to do it. Jacksonville couldn't handle it. So Tampa makes sense, and you know Jerry's world makes a lot of sense. A, a lot of sense. I don't think that Houston would do it either, because you know again, Houston is a, a county that would probably shut down. That's the voice of Tom Bartons, Tim Unglesby, Heatwave Sports, Saturday night, Las Vegas, Fox Sports Radio. Timeout number one when we come back. The New York Mets, as we're going to shift to some baseball, the New York Mets have found a manager. And it's a little bit of a bigger debate than I thought would happen here, but we'll break that down for you on the other side of the timeout. It's Heatwave Sports. Wave Sports, Tim Unglesby, Tom Barton, night one of two, as we're on both weekend nights. Everybody, appreciate you listening, as always, here on Fox Sports Radio. Tom, something that I was going to mention in passing is probably actually going to ex- uh, be pushed to tomorrow night's show in a little more time, but I saw the, the Twitter exchange between you and, of course, our good friend and, and member of the crew, Jose Volante, over on Twitter, which, by the way, at HW Sports, at Tom Barton Sports. This was over on, on yours, Tommy, that in, in mentioning that the New York Mets today hired Buck Showalter to be their new manager for the next, at least it looks like three years is the contract, so we'll see if he gets it all. I'm sure he will, knowing his his past reputation, which we're going to get into here. And it kind, it kind of sparked a little bit of a friendly debate, and I thought this would be a good good way to, to put it on the air because I, you know it, there's a lot of good points on both sides of it so it's an interesting topic and I, you know not only here right we're talking about you're in New York and we're in Las Vegas but what is it like back in New York that Buck Showalter is now um, on the other New York team well it's funny because you know, I wrote an article for the, the New York paper here and um, on December 4th it, you said the Buck Showalter back and forth and it was kind of funny because um, it, it wasn't Jose that I really got into it. I got into it with a couple of people because on December 4th, I wrote, I tweeted this out at Tom Barton Sports. I tweeted out, I said, uh, if you don't believe that Buck Showalter would improve the Mets, stop claiming you even watch baseball right now. Seriously, there's no easier way that show me you don't understand the game than to think that he doesn't have managerial talent. I had a couple of people, most people liked it. I had a couple of people actually push back on it and it, it really does. This is not a shot at Jose. 
uh, but it's reality. It really does show that you have no idea what you're talking about, about Major League Baseball. If you doubt for one second that Buck Walter is the perfect fit for the New York Mets. He is the fit in numerous, numerous ways. First of all, the feel in New York is that this is the, the this is as big as Scherzer. I mean, that's how people are reacting. And normally, Mets fans overreact anyway. And I'm going, yeah, they didn't overreact. <laughs> you know, they, they didn't overreact. Um, I like this. I liken this to Larusa going to Chicago. Certain managers are needed for certain teams. The New York Mets need a calming force. They need a baseball brain. They need someone that isn't going to be strictly analytics, going to do a little bit both uh, by the gut as well as take control of the back page. He's also a stabilizing force. Somebody that could work with high-profile talent, but also the young guys. He is everything that the New York Mets need. He's also a massive managerial talent, and no offense to him. It's going to sound like I'm attacking him, but I'm attacking the people on December 4th that I went after. And I call dim-witted people that dare bring up the fact that he's only 12 games over 500. Well, he had two miserable seasons in Boston when the owner basically, I mean in Baltimore where Tim, you're an Orioles fan, the owner basically just sold the team. Mm -hmm. Well, that brought it down pretty immensely. If not, we wouldn't be looking at that record. All you have to know about Buck Showalter is this. The Buck Showalter in two seasons with the Yankees went from 71 wins to 88 wins. A 17 game improvement two years took them from out of playoff contention to contenders he took the diamondbacks to 100 wins in two years 100 wins out of playoff contention to contenders in two years he took the rangers from 72 wins to 86 wins out of playoff contention to contenders in two years the orioles went from 66 wins to 93 wins out of playoff contention, bottom of the barrel, last place team, one of the worst in baseball, to a playoff contending team. Now, you could tell me, you know what? He doesn't have World Series wins. He doesn't have uh, that kind of of resume. Few do, Tim. We've had 18 managers win the World Series in the last 25 years. So there's going to be a lot of managers that actually don't win the World Series and don't get over the hump. You also have to look at Buckshaw Walter and say, this New York Mets team is the most talented team he will take over. If the the and, and to the Jose Volantes of the world that are doubting Buckshaw Walter, if Buckshaw Walter takes over tomorrow, go walks in tomorrow to a job and takes over uh, you know the current roster of the Miami Marlins or the current roster of the Detroit Tigers, right? Or the current roster of the Colorado Rockies, do you believe that if he improves that team 15 you know games it's the same as taking over the Mets roster where you improve them 15 games no of course not Buck Showalter is going to have his most talented teams ever he's going to have the city that has already embraced him Yankee fans still love him he's going to have all of that and there's one guy that I remind reminds me of Buck Showalter's career a few most people forget this and few people bring it up Joe Torrey the day Joe Torrey was hired, the back page of the papers had clueless Joe, right? Because Joe Torrey had a losing record as a manager before coming to the Yankees. Joe Torrey had been on many stops. Joe Torrey was thought to be a good baseball mind, but somebody that just couldn't win. You don't win until you, you finally do win, right? Um, Andy Reid was considered a great football mind. Andy Reid was a consistent winner, but he just couldn't get over the hump until he finally did, and now we look at Andy Reid as a winning head coach. 
Buck Showalter is the perfect fit for the ball for the New York Mets. You cannot look at his Baltimore Orioles and Texas Rangers years at where you know he had ownership that was selling the team and uh, getting rid of their best players and still kept them competitive. This is the perfect fit. There is no doubt about it from anyone's mind that understands baseball. From guys like Ian O'Connor to, uh, you know, even ESPN, which I don't often agree with. There is a checklist of exactly what the new Mets manager needed to be. And Buck Showalter is it in spades on every single point. This managerial move, Tim, is the best managerial move that any team can possibly make in the offseason. I am massively high on the New York Mets, and I am a Yankee fan. I like it, too. And, and it's not because of my long, uh, long-running love affair with Buck Showalter when he did manage my birds for a good long... He did manage a nice little run there. Um, and I'm not a Mets fan. I hate the Mets, right? But I'll tell you what. Steve Cohen, I like him as an owner. I thought Billy Epler was the right decision to put somebody in the front office, which has just been, in my opinion, filled with ineptness for years. Right, Tom? I mean, this is a franchise that was a lose, had a losing record 10 of the last 13 years. They made the playoffs twice in the last 15 years. And a franchise that's always had money to put into building this team. So in the offseason, Cohen said, you know what? Obviously, there, there needs to be a change here. And, and, and we could even go back as far as last year and the moves they made in bringing in uh, high-quality dollar players, superstars for that Met team to build on. So in the offseason, he hires Billy Epler. I like that move. You know, Sandy Olsen still, you know, did his thing, but we got we got some young blood in there. Let's put it that way. So what do you do? You go out and bring in Max. I love it, right? Star, starring Marte. You're spending money on the team. That's great. But we now we need somebody to, to mix this together, make this cake and, and bake it. I love Buck, man. And I, I tell you, what, and I get what Jose's trying to say, but you're right, Tom. That, that overall record is false. The last season he was in Baltimore, when it was basically a double A team, they, they, you know, there's a 68 game win loss difference that affects that overall percentage dramatically when you think about it. With the Orioles, Tommy, he took them to three playoffs in six years. You know, you can't say we always joke and say, well, he didn't win. He didn't win the title, right? There's only one champion, man. There's only one champion, and you want to bring up. Bobby Cox is a perfect example. Yeah, he won one. So does that exempt him from all the times he didn't make it? Nobody's saying that he's he's terrible uh, or a great regular season manager, but he can't get it done because he did win that one. Five playoff appearances for Buck Showalter, unceremoniously fired by the Yankees after a 14-game difference in, in a um, in a shortened season. They win the World Series the next year. He goes to Arizona. There, his last season again, a year removed from uh, making the playoffs. They hit a little bit of a bump. They get rid of him. They win the series the next year. Texas, I, I think that was his worst stop in his four places that he went. And, and you know, they had one winning season there. But again, he was playing with a, a half a triple-A team most of the time. And then the Orioles was a huge, huge undertaking that he turned them completely around. And the only reason he might probably still not be the manager, Tom, of the Orioles, which has been three seasons now, is that his contract ran out, Dan Duquette's contract ran out, and Peter Angelos was trying to save money, so he went the cheap route with everything from the from the front office 
to the players, and that's why the Orioles are where they're at right now. So I'm with you on it. I think it's a great move, and it's something the Mets need because they've tried they've tried every route, right? I mean, they've tried retreads. They've tried bench coaches. They've tried younger coaches. Why not bring somebody in who's a proven winner? And when I say winner, if, if Jose wants to say it's a regular season winner, then so be it, Tommy, because most times your regular season winner is going to get you into the playoffs, and then everything after that, it's, it's up for grabs. You never know what can happen at that point. Well, Tim, you know, what, what I like to say is, have the, have the Los Angeles Dodgers been the best team in baseball over the last five years? Probably, record-wise, right? Right, I don't, think, I don't think most people can argue that. They have zero championships, zero legitimate championships, right? right. Does that mean that the Dodgers are a bad team? Does that mean Dave Roberts, Dave Roberts is a bad manager because he's got zero championships, Tim? No, absolutely no. not. No. And, and you, you look at, at what, what Showalter does to teams. He, he turns them around. Look, let, let's go over it again just real fast here, okay? New York Yankees took over, took over that team, uh, brought them to 88 in two years. So we're talking about nearly a 20-game swing. The Arizona Diamondbacks, from 65 wins to 100 wins, 35-game swing in two years. Texas Rangers, 18-game swing in two years. Baltimore Orioles, uh, 69. Well, you remember, you got 34 and 23, but he took over 69 wins, 293. He averages eh, between 20 and 25 wins in two years. So the New York Mets last year, right, 77 and 85. All right, let's flip that 20 games, right? They're a 97-win team, Tim. Now, 97 wins, you're right. Jose Matt, Mike, can can stand there and say, we don't know what will happen in the playoffs. No, we don't. But I think you ask any Met fan, all right, Met fans, you, you're going to win 97 games in the next two years. Maybe next year, but you're going to win 97 games in the next two years. Um, you're going to have a 97-win team. I think everybody signs that up for that, right? He's signing up for 97 wins. And that's about what Buck does. Now, you could go on the high end and say, well, he does have the most talented roster. Sure. And he has done more. All right, so let, let's give them 103, 104 wins. Oh, wait a minute. Are, are they the, the best team in the league? Yeah, they absolutely can be. And the big thing with, with people that bring up 15, 51, 15, 17, first of all, it's a 506 winning percentage. He's a winning coach. Second of all, with the New York Yankees, 539 winning percentage. That's fantastic. With the Arizona Diamondbacks, 514 winning percentage. That's good. With the Rangers, like you said, his worst start he was still just about, he's 10 games under 500 in four years. And remember he, what he took over there. And then you get to go to the Orioles. And this is why context matters. Baltimore, he comes in, they win 69 games the first year. 93, 85, 96, 81, 89. Unprecedented success for the Baltimore Orioles during that point. And then you go 75 and 87 and the last one. 47 and 115 in a year where essentially the owner basically said, Oh, we're giving up. I mean, the, the owner, go look at the roster of yeah. the 2018 Baltimore Orioles 47 and 115. So, like you said, let's say they, they field a competitive team, tax 30. I, I'm going to give them, you know, 77 wins. That, that's about what he did the year before. 30 wins on top of that. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at about a 515 winning percentage. Is that not good, guys? But he's still a winning, again, still a winning manager that's taken four different organizations and made them win. And the New York Mets last year were not a winning organization. He's not taking over a winning organization. Taking an organization that has been in massive flux, they won 77 games last year. What do I expect from the Mets this year? 
Look, I don't, I'm not telling you that it's a World Series team right now. I think there's a lot of competition. I don't think Atlanta's going away. I think St. Louis could still be in the mix. The Dodgers are clearly uh, going to overspend, and, and they'll be in the mix. Philly will be in the mix. They'll be there. But what I know about Buck Showalter is this. They're going to they're win more than 77 games next year, Tim. And they'll probably flip this to about an 85-77 and 77 record. But in two years, what I know about Buck is, look, Mets are a playoff team. Mets are probably a playoff team next year. In two years, they're a playoff team. And in two years, they could be threatening 100 wins. That's Buck's track record, guys. And if you don't think in Major League Baseball that a near 100-win season is a successful manager, then I'll go back to what I wrote on December 4th. You don't understand baseball. He's had essentially three years off. He's rested. He, he comes into a situation, Tom, where the, if they're healthy, the top of that rotation with DeGrom and Scherzer is absolute deadly. They have the bats in Alonzo. They have the bats in uh, uh, Marte, Lindor last year. They brought in, they brought in Escobar this offseason as well from Arizona. He's a 30-home run guy. It, James McCann, solid with the play. He has a stick. They have a, Here's the thing. The most important thing that I, I'll bring up about this, and we can uh, move on from it. You know, the Mets need something to be excited for, right? Ten of the last 13 years, I said it, ten of the last 13 years, losing seasons. Unacceptable. Two, two playoff appearances in 15 seasons. Unacceptable. You're not going to be the Yankees in that city. I get it. But you, you want to at least have that opportunity to maybe play them, right, Tom, in the playoffs? We had the Subway Series before. Why couldn't we do it again? The problem is the Mets can't get that far. So... You bring in a guy who, here's another thing, right, Tom? Players love Buck Showalter. They love to play for him. Buck's problems have been with the front office because Buck's a guy where he's like, this is what I want, this is how I'm going to do it. If you have a problem with that, then we'll move on. And and you know what? Whatever the egos are in the front office have decided to move on, and they won with teams that were built by Buck Showalter. So the, the question I pose, and I pose it in a group chat, we're, we're texting right now about it. Tom, he has a three-year deal. If they make the playoffs two of the next three years, how can you not say that hasn't been a success in hiring Buck Showalter the same amount of times that they've been to the playoffs in the last 15 years? Yeah, it absolutely is a success. Just like when, you know, we had somebody sitting back and saying, um, you know, look, Buck, Buck doesn't win and he didn't win the big one. Well, you know what? The best chance to win the big one that he had was 1994. Where he went, you know, his team went 88 and 74, or 70 and 43, I mean, a 6-19 winning percentage. But they canceled the season, right? I think anybody, anybody that was alive during that 94 year knows that was going to be the Expos and the Yankees in the World Series, and it would have been a heck of a World Series, right? The guy had a 6-19 winning percentage. That was his year. That was his year to do it, right? What about that 99 Diamondbacks team that won 100 games? Is Buck not a winner because they won 100 games, but they didn't win the, the championship? This is not like football, guys. Yeah, And you have to take this out. In football, a head coach means everything to the team. Every decision, you judge them by pure winning. Managers, they you don't. Managers hardly make a massive difference in a short series. In a long, year-long series, you make a difference. Ask any true Yankee fan, a real Yankee fan that watched everything. What do you think of Joe Torre? Every true Yankee fan is going to go, look, the guy had a lot of rings, but man, he mismanaged the bullpen often. 
so many times you see guys with about 70 innings going going into August, okay? He mismanaged that bullpen. Doesn't mean Joe Torre was a bad manager. It just means, look, he was a he was a guy that he was in the right place at the right time. Joe Torre was a perfect fit for a team with big egos, lots of expectations. Buck is a different kind of guy. Buck is the perfect fit for the New York Mets. And I will tell you this, you just said it. You know, he's got a contract for three years. He's going to make the playoffs for three years. I don't know if I could guarantee a World Series because how can you do that? But he's going to make the playoffs. And we always say, well, depending on health. Here's the thing. We know Buck can win with bad talent. We know Buck can win with replacement guys. We know Buck can win with not a talented team. He's won with talented teams and not talented teams. So we know that they can win. I will say it right now. Buck Showalter will have the Mets in the playoffs each of the next three years. Now, can they win the World Series? I don't know. But you hire somebody to do that job. You hire someone in business to get you to the playoffs, and then you, you're hoping for the best. Because if we are judging like that, Dave Roberts hopefully will be fired tomorrow. Because he's a terrible manager. Based on that criteria, yeah. Right. So we got a couple minutes before the top of the hour timeout. We're technically, Tom, in a a lockout, first time since 1990. Do you see this getting resolved here right after the first of the year? Are we worried about a, a stoppage once the season starts or before the season I, I got to go with, with you know, <clears throat> what I hear. And nobody is concerned that it's going to go into the season. But everybody thinks it's going to be dragged on a little bit here, you know. So I, I can't say that, Tim. I don't think that it's going to be, you know, a quick resolution after the year because people are concerned, you know what, this is going to last into January. This might last into into February some. But there's nobody thinking that spring training is going to be pushed back. There's no one thinking that regular season games are going to be lost. So that's a good thing. You know, I talked to people that from the very beginning said, and don't expect this to end quickly, but don't expect to miss games. I've reached back out to them, and I knew we were going to talk about Showalter tonight. A couple of guys I reached back out, they told me the same thing, Tim. Look, my expectation, what I think, we're not going to miss games, but don't expect this to just automatically end. What What is the sticking point here for the player's side? There's there's quite a few sticking points. You know, there the rule changes are certainly there. Um, a lot of the the sticking points where you you look at what Major League Baseball wants to control. And they, baseball is starting to look at other leagues, but the owners are looking at baseball and they're going, you know, the owners are, are, are in a p- tough position because they're going out there and they're doling out $300 million contracts and then crying poverty, <laughs> right? I mean, that's, that's what's going on right now. And it really is the divide between the massively high-paid top guys and the guys that are trying to make a living. You know, we just finally got minor leaguers to have housing paid for. That took forever. You know, so Major League Baseball is in a position where they want, Major League Baseball wants to take the power back, and they feel, the owners feel like the players have the power now. The players feel like, yo, listen, we got a a bunch of guys that are making massive money, but overall, our sport is still... You know the backup, uh, you know, guy on on the bench, and the guy that the sixth man coming off, and uh, you know the guy that's sitting back, and and he's the the sixth arm in the bullpen, and you're moving guys up and down in the minor league system three times. They they b- still believe that they have the power. So each side just believes that the other side is having too much power. Um, it will come to a resolution, but 
you know how these things are. We'll give you this, we'll take that. The players did not like most of the rule changes, and ownership still wants to do more. So somewhere in the middle, we're going to wind up. I don't think we, as a fan base, is going to. we're not going to feel the effects long-term of one side or the other. We always joke about contract years for free agents and them uh, having a big year and then signing for big money somewhere else. Doesn't it almost correlate that this was such a great baseball season that it has to end on a, a contractual note like they were essentially were a free agent heading into this season, Tom? Yeah, it does. You know, what, what gets me, though, is that we all knew this was coming, and it did, doesn't seem to affect Major League Baseball, does it? I mean, we got out. There was a bunch of million contracts. Baseball held the audience until right up until December. It was Max Scherzer signing like the day before the lockdown. Oh, man, everything. And people were pumped up. We got Buck Showalter to talk today, right? People are still pumped up about Major League Baseball. And now we're waiting. Now we're waiting on Correa and Trevor Story. So as soon as they come back, it's going to pump it back up. This lockout in the strangest of ways, Tim, really will not affect the, the fan base. It's not going to affect the product at all. Unless it drags into spring training. Because at that point then you're going to miss out on the window to have the excitement for the Correas and the Trevor stories that are still out there and all of that. So right now, they're not, they're not being hurt by it. It's no big deal. In two months, it'll be a problem. You go into February, I think now we start to have a different conversation. You mentioned Correa and Story, the, the bigger names. I think I'm pretty sure when you look at where these guys are going to go. So... If I say Correa stays at Houston and Story goes to the Yanks, is that your feeling? I would take that. I've always wanted Trevor Story. I'm one of the guys that, look, I, I know he's right-handed back, but I like him. I like his game. I like the makeup of him. I like what he adds with the Yankees, with the speed. Um, Correa is somebody I do not want in, in New York at all. I don't know if I see that, though, Tim. I don't know if I see the Yankees making that play. I believe that the new Yankee management uh, that is up front – they are penny pinchers. And I also think that they look at Andrew uh, Anthony Volpe on their minor league system as their top chip. He's even more highly covered than Jason Dominguez. They look at Peraza as their secondary chip. They look down the road. They have about four or five shortstops that are young and energetic. And they are looking and they're going, you know what? We need a defensive guy. Andrelton Simmons fits the bill and he saves us a lot of money as opposed to dealing out one of these huge contracts. So Trevor Story... I thought he was going to St. Louis for a while. Wouldn't shock me to see him in St. Louis as far as uh, maybe even Milwaukee, but I don't think they're going to pay him. Um, St. Louis makes a lot of sense. As far as, as Correa goes, look, the guy has priced himself out of the market. He also is somebody that is just massively overrated. Tim, you know how many times Carlos Correa hit over 275? <laughs> you know, go, go count it because it, it's not a lot. How many times has Carlos Correa hit 100 RBIs? Nope, none. How many times has Carlos Correa had 30 home runs? You know, he's a good player, a very good player, but he is not a $300 million superstar. He's just not that guy. Add in the fact that he is a villain, add in the fact that he does get injured, and in the fact that he is a controversial guy, why are you going to go out there and spend this much money if you're another team? The Tigers were the team that I thought were really going to take the shot. And they said, you know what, we're going to get a steal. And they really did give a contract steal to Javi Baez. I think it was a smart move by them. I think he priced himself out of this market. Um, to me, he, uh, he'll go back to Houston because he almost has to. And I think he's going to go back 
I don't think I don't think that he's going to sign one of his ten year contracts. I think him and Story are now in a position where we're going to see a two or three year contract, big upfront money, you know, thirty million a year kind of thing. But they're only going to get a hundred million, hundred million dollars for a three year contract with a with a option, something like that. I don't think either one of these guys are landing that double digit ten year contract they wanted. Halfway through a Saturday night on the way back, we're going to hit the NFL, of course, week 15. We're going to get you ready for tomorrow. It's Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio. And we're back, hour two. Heat Wave Sports, Fox Sports Radio, Las Vegas, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM. Yes, we are on tomorrow night, 10 o'clock, so make sure you join in as we touch on a, a lot going on this, this this week in the world of sports. We're going to touch on Urban Meyer tomorrow night a little bit. Uh, of course, look at what happens during the day tomorrow, NFL Week 15. We're going to get into that here in a second. Tom, I had a direct message over on Twitter at HW Sports or at Tom Barton Sports about baseball, actually, and, and your thoughts how about Chris Bryant going to the Phillies to play with his childhood friend and Bryce Harper? Now listen, I think Chris Bryant is a is an underrated talent um, because he can play so many positions, right? I, I mean, that's that's what I like. I like that he can play so many positions, and I think Philly is very underrated, Tim. I really do. I, I look at Philly and I go, Does anybody realize you know they were pretty good last year and they did have the MVP and Aaron Nola got unlucky in a lot of spots. They have a legitimate one-two. Nola and Wheeler, uh, that that's your one-two right there. They have a decent back end of the bullpen kind of forming. I, I like what they're doing in some spots. I think they need that secondary bat, that number two guy. Reese Hoskins isn't that number two guy. Alec Bohm kind of showed us, you know, his what he is. Real Muto can't be counted on to constantly be that guy. So, yeah, I like it. I think that they are maybe a player away from making a run. Yeah, I like it too, and I think, look, they're friends in real life. They played Little League ball out here together, Tom, so it, why not, you know, go for a title together? I think it's a great Cinderella-type ending that could happen, and I, and I think for what we thought the Phillies would be two years ago, it just didn't work out for them. I, I think you're right. I think they're more on a path towards what they could be here in the next two years because you, you have these guys – pretty much in the prime of their careers, right, Tommy? That's, if it all comes together for him and you have a potential – look, he's a Cy Young guy. He's your ace. He's a Cy Young guy at, at the top of it. So, And they have money. Tom, that's the thing, too. They have money to, to add where they need to add, right? Yeah, I, that's that's the thing. I mean, and that's one of the things that makes the Mets dangerous as well is that they have an owner that will go, you know what, we're, we're going to spend. We're, we're going to make that move. We're going to go make that that interesting move. And that is, um, you know, that that's interesting that in itself that we have a division there. That you have quite a few contenders. Quite a few contenders. And the defending champions as well. That, they're, yeah. they're not going yeah. anywhere either. So, yeah. and, and, and I'll tell you what. Miami's that team, Tim. They, you look at that starting five in Miami. That has to scare you. I'm sorry. It has to scare you. So, for week 15, we, we've had a Thursday night game, a Saturday night game. We're going to play games tomorrow, Monday, and Tuesday. So, five days we're going to have football. 
And tonight we saw Indianapolis hang on for a 27-17 win against New England at home to move to 8-6 and six on the year. The Patriots here, and, and this was a tough loss for New England. They looked terrible in the first half. They were able to put something together in the second and just, uh, look, any chance they had of a comeback, Jonathan Taylor ended quickly there, there at the end of the game. We saw that. But New England with a, had a great opportunity, Tom, to put potentially a three-game difference between them and Buffalo in the division, and they come up short tonight. Your thoughts on the game? Listen, I, I look at this, and I, I kind of saw this coming. This is just a bad matchup for, for New England in this spot, and I think we sat back and talked about how dangerous this Colts team was, right? I, I mean, they really are. They got out of the gates in a bad spot. Wentz was banged up. They were missing some guys. Uh, if you remember, two of their offensive linemen were banged up. They actually won tonight without their star center, Ryan Kelly, who's going through personal problems. They didn't have Quentin Nelson. And they managed to just not bury themselves. They are a really good team. They have an elite defender in uh, Darius Leonard. They have a really good Pro Bowl cornerback in Moore. Their defense is top 10, maybe not top 5, but they're top 10, but they make big plays. They have a running game, and all you wanted was Carson Wentz to show you that he could be effective. Well, Carson Wentz has shown that and more this year. You got a lot of Carson Wentz haters out there. Carson Wentz has done perfectly fine this year. Is he a you know uh, MVP candidate? No, but he doesn't have to be on this kind of team. He is exactly what they ask him to be. Dominant offensive line, dominant running game, very good defense, and a good coach. All you need is a quarterback to just not lose you games. And Carson Wentz did try to lose them a game a couple of times tonight, right? Uh, I'm not making too much about this. By the way, tomorrow morning I'm going to have Luke Diamond on from the Culture, C-O-L-T-U-R-E, and um, I'm going to have him on the, the Sports Garden show in the morning on Want to Bet With Me because I want to ask him about this Colts team. I believed, and I said this about five or six weeks ago, I said this is the time to buy low on them. This is the time you want a Super Bowl future. This is the time to hit the Colts. I think the Colts are just as dangerous as anybody else in the AFC. We just watched them beat New England. I give them a fair shot against Kansas City because they can run the ball. You turn around and you look at against Baltimore looks down. Cleveland looks down. I don't believe in Cincinnati. No one believes in Tennessee. I think the Colts are right in this mix, Tim. I really do. And for all the Carson Wentz naysayers, yeah, this is a guy that could be playing in an AFC championship game in a couple of weeks. He only had 57 yards passing, Tom, but it's that that doesn't matter. It's what he's put been able to to uh, bring the team as a solidifying, I guess you could say. He's been there when they needed him this year, right, Tom? That, that well, it's Matt Jones, game. isn't it? Right? Matt Jones beat, beat the, the biggest win of the season. Uh, Carson Wentz went out there and threw 57 yards, and basically, you know, they won despite him. Yeah, sure, maybe you could say that, but he got the win. Matt Jones threw the ball three times in their biggest win of the season, right? I mean, True. But this is what we're looking at now. They are running teams. And so many of these millennials, Tim, that grew up with pass, 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 pass. We said it a couple of years ago. We said, Bill's building back a running culture. All of a sudden, Bill, Bill's going to try to run the ball. And you see other teams following suit. If everyone's going to go to the air all the time, we're going to have to slow this game down. And we're starting to watch the NFL kind of readjust and say, hey, defense and running game still wins championships. Where do you put... <clears throat> Speaking of Jonathan Taylor, where do you put him in the MVP race? I, I mean, obviously, right now, Brady's still the guy for me. But Taylor, he has 300 more yards than the next closest rusher. And he's look at the touchdowns, man. He's having just an absolute MVP season. Will not win it, not even in the conversation. 
Not even in the conversation, Tim. Don't even put him on your board. It's not because I don't like him. It's because of this. There was two years ago, Michael Thomas set every single receiving record known to, to, to man, right? I mean, the guy was on top of everything. Derrick Henry literally put his team on his back and ran them into just oblivion. He was the most valuable player on his team by far. Michael Thomas didn't get a sniff for an MVP vote, Tim. Derrick Henry barely got mentioned for an MVP when it all came down to it. The MVP will be a quarterback, and that's it. We live in a generation where to, to win the Heisman Trophy and you're not a quarterback, you have to do extraordinary things. Well, we're in a generation where to win an MVP, you have to do things that we have never seen before. Derrick Henry had one of the greatest rushing seasons I've ever seen in my life. Alvin Kamara last year led the league in, in touchdowns. Was he was he mentioned? Was he even on the list? No. They just don't respect running backs in this league. They just don't respect wide receivers in this league. They certainly don't respect tight ends in this league. It's a quarterback-driven award. That's it. And, you know, you have to also go by the story. Jonathan Taylor, football fans, that's great. But the story is Tom Brady, four year, 44 years old, winning an MVP. Well, that story sells, Tim, right? I mean, that story is, is the story. You know, you can put Jonathan Taylor up there in a logistical mindset, in a normal, everyday football fan mindset. You have a, you, listen, you got me. Yeah, Jonathan Taylor should be up there, but he's not going to be. So take him off your card because we have, we have a track record. A recent track record of Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, and of Michael Thomas setting records, doing things we've never seen before, ever, and not even getting a mention. So it's going to go to a quarterback. Right now, I think this is Brady's award to win. The next closest, I don't think is too close. Might be Aaron Rodgers, which you know the writers aren't giving it to him. It was Dak Prescott had a chance. Yeah, that's not happening. You're going to give it to Mahomes? No, he's got less than average stats. Justin Herbert? Yeah, maybe, but he's nowhere near him. There's nobody else really in the running. This is Brady and Brady and then Brady. Brady minus money, too. It's Brady minus money. It's not You can't even get plus with him anymore. So kind of says everything there, doesn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Look, it is, uh, it's going to be fun to win because <laughs> if you guys listened to TomBartonSports.com, gave you Brady before the year. I gave you Brady at 12-1 to 1 odds in some spots. I know some guys got him about 11-1, to 1, but 12-1 to 1 odds. Tom Brady to win the, the MVP. I called it before the year began, Tim. And listen, I got screwed out of Otani. I got screwed out of Vlad. Right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I've been one year off or, or the second-place winner for quite some time now. Right, Last year, T.J. Watt, my defensive player of the year, he deserved it. He finished in second place. So I, I deserve one. Tom Brady's winning this. I'm with you on that. All right, let's look at week 15 of the NFL. Like I said, it extends through Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. So we'll go rotational order, of course. And um, first up, Carolina in Buffalo to take on the Bills. Tom, the, Bill, the Bills loses of two in a row. Just a, a shell of the way they started this season. They are 7-6, and six, as I mentioned. Carolina, 5-8, and eight, loses of three in a row. Obviously cashing this one in as injuries have just eaten this team alive. The line in this one tomorrow, Buffalo minus 13. 
Yeah, I mean, you got to like Buffalo here. This is one of those get-right games, if there's ever been a get-right game. Uh, Cam Newton was benched during the game that he was brought back. We don't know if he's coming on full-on here. Is he going to be the guy, or are they going to have a short, uh, you know, grab Walker there? They can't run on anybody. Chuba Harbor couldn't run last week against Atlanta. He's certainly not going to be able to run here. If Buffalo doesn't win and they don't cover, I think it says a lot more about what's going on than any of these other guys, okay? You turn around, uh, any of these other losses, you turn around and you look at they've lost four of the last six. All right, that's fine. You can deal with it. You cannot go out there and play a close game against Carolina. No way. Carolina is having quarterback problems. They are having running problems. They are having offensive problems. And it feeds really beautifully right into exactly what you want to do. And what you want to do in this spot, you want to just play tremendous defense. I have called for a shutout twice this year, Tim. Right, called for a shutout when New England played the New York Jets twice, and I was real close. Okay, they just got a touchdown. I was real close. I'm gonna call again for it here. I don't know if I'm gonna actually get that shutout, but I'd be stunned if Carolina scored ten points. I think that this is one of those absolute blowouts. And if it's not, and there is enough hesitation for me to go, look, I'm not loading up on a thirteen point favorite. Um, if there's not, I think that I can finally write Buffalo off. I'm the, I feel like I'm the last bastion here going, yeah, they can still be a Super Bowl team. If they struggle tomorrow, I'm going to rip up that ticket. I love Buffalo tomorrow, too. And really, when I look at maybe what we always, what is our word forever, Tom, is overreaction in this sports world. If you look at the last five games for the Bills, a win against the Jets, a blowout win against the Jets, they lost to Indianapolis, which really has kicked it into high gear at that point. And they were. Yes, embarrassed in that game, but this game, that game was over early, you know. They blew out the Saints, as they should, on the road. They lost in, in an absolute, uh, you, you said it on your YouTube video, when, when the, the overreaction of the Patriot win, the biggest win of the season for them. That, that game was just, the weather was absolute garbage. And then last week they lost on the road against Tom Brady and the defending champions. Look, you know, the schedule is the schedule. They finished with the Panthers tomorrow. Uh, at the rematch at New England uh, day after Christmas, a terrible Falcon team and a terrible Jet team, they win, even if they win three of the four, Tom, right, they're still 10-7 and seven going into the playoffs. I, I love them tomorrow. I, I think just maybe the schedule caught up to them in certain aspects of it. Are there problems in Buffalo? Yeah, you're right. They can't run the football. There's no doubt about that. But defense is good. And, and you know what? They lost to teams that at the time were either playing very good football or just better than them. And I think Tampa's better than Buffalo. I think they win easily tomorrow as well. Yeah, look, uh, they lost. When they when they lost, they lost because they played superior, superior, superior running games. Hey, give me that Jacksonville game, but the, the defense didn't do anything wrong there, right? Um, Derrick Henry was the MVP candidate outside of quarterbacks, right, going in. They lost to Derrick Henry because he ran wild. Jonathan Taylor, you just made the case that he deserves to be in the MVP conversation. They lost to him. And the New England Patriots running game that basically set a record in ridiculously windy conditions. And what's funny, though, Tim, is that against Jonathan Taylor, after they were run all over, they were stopped on the one-yard line from winning that game. After getting run all over by the Bills, Bills, I mean by the uh, Patriots, Bills only scored, allowed 14 points in that game, and they had a chance at the end of the game, the ball hit Dawson Knox in the hands or else they win that game. So the narrative would be very, very, very different um, with a yard here 
and they drop past there, all of a sudden Bills win those two games, and you go, man, Buffalo is the Super Bowl uh, champion here. I mean, that, that's what we're looking at. Also in the AFC East, the Jets at Miami, the Dolphins, Tommy, I know you been keeping an eye on him the last few weeks. They've won five in a row. They've managed to pull themselves to six and seven on the year. The Jets out of any potential playoff talks and looking at a high draft pick, three and ten. The line, nine and a half right now, Miami. Yeah, look, and, and this is Miami's game to kind of say, okay, here we go. I, I made a really interesting point on Twitter where I turned around and I said, all right, guys, listen, we uh, – we have a, a, a Raiders franchise going. Everything's done. That's it. The season's over. Okay. At six and seven. We have a Steelers franchise going six, six and one. That's it. It's over. Sell the team. This is terrible, right? I mean, they're, 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 they're jumping up and down. And Miami is, has the same record. They're going, all right, we're in this thing. <laughs> Isn't it funny how, how that works? Well, you know, Miami has reasons because now they have the Jets coming up. And I, I think you look at the Jets, they've got 30 plus points in each of the last two losses. Miami's 4-0 against the spread in the last four home games. They're 6-0 against the spread in the last games coming off of a bye week. They play really well. You said it. They're allowing 11 points per game over the last month. But anybody notice that Tua, a guy that about this time has now started to play about a full NFL season, Tua has a 100-plus passer rating with just one interception through his last three starts, Tim. Tua is looking really good. Here's the problem. I think this offense goes by Jalen Waddle, and it goes through Jalen Waddle, and Jalen Waddle is banged up. They don't know if he's going to play tomorrow because he was on, on COVID. Uh, they don't know. They haven't announced if he's going to play. You can't lay this without Jalen Waddle. And if you want to go back a little further, remember what I said on the show about a month ago that Jalen Waddle would be the best receiver coming out of this draft class, and people said, Jamar Chase is the MVP. What are you talking about? I got ripped apart on Twitter. How do we feel now? Jalen Waddle is the offense here, so I'm very hesitant to lay the money with the Dolphins unless I know Waddle's going to play. NFC East, Dallas at the Giants. Talk about opposites here. The Dallas 9-4, and four, the Giants 4-9. and nine. Dallas has won two in a row. Giants have lost two in a row. And Dallas with a win at home earlier this year, 44-20 over the Giants, who have injury issues. Uh, just a long year for New York again, Tom, and... Looking, I think they're looking towards the finish line here. The line, Dallas, a road division favorite, 11 and a half. Yeah, look, this is a massive, massive line. But Dallas has won nine of the last ten games that they've met up. And it, this all comes down to can Dallas run the ball. Dallas is 29-0 when they rush the ball more than they throw the ball. So they're going to have to try to run the ball here. Pollard is out. Ezekiel Elliott doesn't look the same. Can they win with Dak Prescott throwing the ball all over the place? Sure, but he doesn't look right. And Dallas is actually the worst team in the NFL on third down conversion. I think the Giants might play close here. They're at home catching a bunch of points. It's a division game. You don't find anything you like about the Giants except the fact that this is just a boatload of points. I think Dallas wins. I think um, this could be a get-right game for Dak. But I don't like this team without Pollard and with a what is right now just a limping to the finish line, Ezekiel Elliott. Hmm. A lot of points. I don't, you know, it's, 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 I wouldn't even say a look-ahead situation for Dallas here. It's just more of a not healthy Dallas, right? I, I, I mean, they're, they're not healthy, Tim, but they're not playing well. Dak Prescott is healthy. The offensive line is generally healthy. The receivers are healthy. I can understand if you're having a problem running the ball with what they have. But Dak Prescott has just not looked good. 
he, Dak Prescott is the problem right now on this team. And that is a weird thing to say, but he really is. He needs one of those just Dak Prescott-type games. It was only a month ago that we were going, wow, Dak could be in the MVP conversation. Now, all of a sudden, he's almost a liability out there. They have to get Dak Prescott right to have any kind of chance in this postseason. This next game was shifted by the NFL to the afternoon premier game. But I don't know if it's going to have some of that premier that we wanted, Tommy, as Green Bay will be in Baltimore take on the Ravens. Opened at 2. It's up to 7 now because it looks like Lamar Jackson is not going to go for Baltimore tomorrow. Yeah, look, always follow the lines makers, right? I mean, this line was was massive, and everybody said, wow, you know what? Why, why is this line so big? Well, it was big because I think everybody kind of knew, <laughs> right, that, uh, that, that Lamar Jackson was going to be out, and Lamar Jackson is out. You know, Green Bay is a different team on the road. Aaron Rodgers is still banged up. Um, but I, I talked to you about this during the week. I just think that Aaron Rodgers is going to have a field day against these cornerbacks, all lack thereof. Humphrey's gone. Peters is down. I think that Aaron Rodgers is somebody that is one of the top two or three guys in the NFL against the Blitz, and that's what Baltimore loves to do. So Baltimore is going to blitz. He's going to be able to find the soft spot. And the soft spot, unfortunately, what is the soft spots, Tim? That is your cornerbacks on the Baltimore Ravens. And if you're looking at a soft spot, that is a big weakness go up against Aaron Rodgers. I hate to lay a touchdown the road with a Green Bay team that plays poorly on the road all year long, and they play close games. But I can't get that mismatch out of my head, and that mismatch that Aaron Rodgers is just going to pick apart these defenders. Really crazy the way an NFL season goes, Tom. At one point, Baltimore 5-1. and one. Lamar was was uh, breaking every type of stigma that anybody wanted to throw his way, and since then Baltimore has gone just three or uh, has gone excuse me three and five, and just has looked awful, absolutely awful in the last month, and now they're averaging you know, sixteen it, points a game, Tim, over the last month. Yeah, and that's with with the exception of the last game, that's with Lamar healthy. Um, in a division, and, and this was a division that they had at one point a, a two-and-a-half game lead on, and I know Cincinnati's always been kind of hanging around there, but one-and-a-half games separates Baltimore and Pittsburgh from first to last. Not the right time for Lamar Jackson not to be playing. No, not at all. I, I mean, this is um, a weird kind of crazy division, right? Cincinnati is right there. They got a tough road game against Denver. This is a week where Pittsburgh has a tough game against Tennessee. This is a, you know, a week where we saw Cleveland's got a tough game against the Raiders, and it's going to be moved back. All three of those teams could win. All three could lose, and you go, okay, no harm, no foul. It's a weird week where Baltimore, if you go out there and lose, you might not get hurt because all three of those other teams are in tough battles and tough games. You said a Tennessee-Pittsburgh will battle in Pittsburgh. The Steelers, Tom, one-and-a-half-point favorites. Pittsburgh slumping as well, really, when you look at it. Six, six, and one, and they didn't look good last week at all. Well, I think the difference here is that Ryan Tannehill is just bad. And, you know, <laughs> he's, he's thrown four touchdowns since Derrick Henry went down. Doesn't it feel like Derrick Henry went down about, 
you know, a month ago. Well, he's got four touchdowns since then. This team can't run the ball. They're averaging less than 70 rushing yards per game. Now, Pittsburgh, you can run on them a little bit, but I do think that Pittsburgh at home, their defense is just enormous. Tennessee has been that team that even in the preseason, I came out and I said, I don't buy into them. I don't believe into them. I didn't believe into their defense. Well, their defense has stepped up and it's gotten better. Um, they're going to, they're, they're actually the fourth best team against the rush in the NFL. They're going to have to get, Pittsburgh's going to have to get Harris running the ball. This seems to me like those absolute brutal type of games to watch. I think it's slow moving. The over-under set at 42 for a reason. I'm leaning the under. The only reason I wouldn't go with the under is because Ryan Tannehill actually has more interceptions than touchdowns since Derrick Henry came on. And I don't believe that Big Ben is is just prone to uh, just having a great game. No, I think he can make some mistakes out there as well. So I think it's going to be a tough offensive battle for both of these teams. Both of these teams are going to have problems running the ball. Both of these teams are going to have problems moving the ball. I kind of like the under here, Tim. But overall, I think mistakes and turnovers can be kind of the way to go. If you're in a DFS league, I'm taking Steelers defense all day long. And I'll even look at Tennessee's defense in a spot like this. Tommy, I'm thinking of bringing back the Toilet Bowl game of the week next year for year number 12. And if it existed today, which I know we don't have the sound clip on it, but this would be it. Houston, Jacksonville, the Jaguars fire their coach during the week, and they're a five-point favorite tomorrow. How about that? What are you talking about, Tim? This is the most intriguing game of the day for me. Are you kidding me? Why? Because I'm going to be sitting next to you during the NFL draft, and I want to know who's going to get the number one overall pick, and this game <laughs> might decide it, right? I mean, that's what we're looking at. But I am interested to see how Jacksonville bounces back here after the whole Urban Meyer disaster. That piece of trash, uh, you know, leaves the, there. It, everyone's got to be feeling good about it. You usually see interim managers, uh, interim coaches uh, kind of lift the team up. I wonder how much dysfunction is going on there. How much of this is that the players just didn't like Urban Meyer? How much of this is that you know guys like James Robinson just didn't like this guy? And can they play to the potential that I think that they had? You know, Houston's playing well too. Look, everybody looks at Davis Mills. Got through for three thirty-one last week, right? I mean, he was, and he he had a couple of good drives. So I think this could be a fun game. If you just take the names off the jerseys, but at the at the end of it, it really will kind of decide who's the number one pick in the, overall in the draft. I kind of hope that Jacksonville loses because I want to see the Jacksonville Jaguars with the number one pick because I think that that could be a fun situation. Get where where you see, uh oh, who are they going to get to help out Trevor Lawrence? I I've heard rumblings that all the players are, are ecstatic. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, is, who's worked closely with interim head coach Daryl Bevel, who was the OC, he, he likes him a lot. So there's a lot going on in Jacksonville. Maybe they come out a uh, house of fire tomorrow, Tom. You never know. And it's against a bad Houston team, so it could happen. What's good for the NFL tomorrow and what's good for fans and what's good you know, for the product is that tomorrow Trevor Lawrence goes out there, has the game of his career, he goes out there, Darren Bevel opens it up for him and lets him throw it all day. You have a stat line against that Houston defense that looks something like, you know, first 300, 300 yards for Trevor Lawrence and, and two touchdowns. It just has a fantastic day. Why? Because then everybody will, will be able to say, ah, oh, yeah, good. Get the jerk out of the building and move on. 
And you guys, listen, you want to hear my take on Urban Meyer? It's got over a thousand views already. I have it on, on YouTube. The Jerk is Gone. And yeah, that's kind of the name of it. So go check it out over at Tom Barton Sports on YouTube. Arizona in Detroit to take on the Lions. So the Lions right now would technically have the number one pick at 1-11-1. And, and here come the Cardinals, 10-3. and three. A loss last week and, and a Rams win put the Rams a game behind. A game within Arizona for the NFC West leads. So a big game tomorrow for Arizona. They're 12.5 point favorite, Tom. And how about this road, home road dichotomy? Arizona is 3-3 three and three on their home field, 7-0 and zero away from Phoenix. Yeah, Arizona's not going to lose this game, um, but they certainly could go out there and not play to their potential. Look, you're coming off a big emotional game. I talked to Ed Smith uh, on Sunday, the, the former Cardinal, and uh, you know he's the uncle of Herb Smith, the tight end in Minnesota. And we talked to him, and you guys can go check it out on the podcast. Believe in Betting uh, is the podcast. And I talked to, to Ed, and he didn't shy away. Look, this was a massive game for Arizona to prove to everybody that they are for real, to prove to everybody we need respect. And they went out there and they lost. And they lost, and now they have a short week after a losing uh, a game that had so much emotion. You know, sometimes you go, you get teams that go, oh, I'm going to take it out on this lowly Detroit team. You also have sometimes the teams go, eh, it's just that natural letdown. And laying double digits on the road in a natural letdown spot just doesn't make me feel good. Now, I will say this. Look, Detroit doesn't have T.J. Hawkinson. That's a problem. Swift is still banged up. That's a problem. Uh, but I just think about that emotional letdown, Tim, and I can't lay double digits here. I know when we had talked about earlier in the year about, about the Cardinals, and you weren't necessarily sold on on the Cardinals and Kingsbury and Murray, and now Hopkins done, right? So we, we I both I pinned them as a one and, one and out in the playoffs. I think you kind of had them there as well. Look, you can be a great – here we go again, right, Tom? You could be a great regular season team until you win in the playoffs, though, in the NFL. It means something, and now you're going to lose your top receiver. I, I think it bodes badly for Arizona matchup-wise uh, the rest of the way out, and I'm talking about postseason, of course. Well, I mean, you know, I've been very critical of Cliff Kingsbury, and I brought that up to Ed, and he said the same thing. Tom, I've been critical too. <laughs> you know, I mean, we're, we're watching the same thing here. When you get into the playoffs – in football, not baseball, Jose. In football, managing really, you know, head coach really matters. And I know that he's going to be up against it. I'm not tell telling you that Arians is a, a mastermind. But Arizona is outmatched against Tampa Bay. Arizona is ma outmatched against Green Bay. Arizona might be outmatched against, you know, a team like San Francisco if they squeak in. They'll be outmatched against, uh, you know, certain teams out there. You look at a guy like Mike McCarthy, and you can make fun of him all you want. I still have seen Mike McCarthy accomplish more than Cliff Kingsbury at this point. So I think Arizona is that team, that one and done. And maybe it is San Francisco that kind of gets it done. Yeah, I mean, you said it. Until he wins in the playoffs, which Mike McCarthy did in Green Bay, Kyle Shanahan has done in San Francisco. Obviously, uh, you know what Arians has done, right, Tom? And even his counterpart in L.A., for whatever reason, I can't remember his name, but he's McVay. won in the playoffs. McVay has won in the playoffs as well. So, uh, yeah, it lines up that way. And until you do it, that's always going to be that huge, huge target on the back of your uh, back there when um, you're talking about winning in the postseason. Atlanta 
and San Francisco. We just talked, just said it, San Francisco. Nine-point favorite tomorrow in this game, Tom, at home. Look, San Francisco should win this game, but I do have my, my concerns. Uh, Mitchell is still banged up. Samuel looked really good last week, but we know that he's missed some time in practice this week. And, and you kind of just go out there and you go, San Francisco should do all these things. But San Francisco is the type of team you can run on them. And Patterson and Davis, and Davis is finally looking decent here at the end. Patterson and Davis can just slow the game down enough here to be a problem. But I will say this, Jimmy Garoppolo is on fire. Jimmy Garoppolo is making people forget about Trey Lance, which is a whole other conversation. What are they going to do with that situation? Jimmy Garoppolo is throwing to unguardable people like George Kittle right now, and the Atlanta Falcons simply can't guard anybody. I expect San Francisco to explode offensively in this game, but I don't love their defense. I think Atlanta can score some points here. How is San Francisco doing this with no running back? Yeah, it's amazing how they're able to switch it up. And you know what it is? They're doing it with guys like Debo Samuel, who's playing that Cordell Patterson role. They're doing it with with George Kittle. You don't – I love a running game. But if you don't have a running game, you have to do things that are different and effectively different. Well, how can that be different effectively? Well, it's really easy. All you have to do, Tim, is short, dinking, dunk passes. What's more, you know, more of a friend to a quarterback that wants to dink and dunk than a tight end. And you got Kittle playing on an elite level right now. When you look at Atlanta, uh, look, I, you and I both didn't have them pegged for, for much this year, but they're kind of just hanging around. And I'm not saying that, look, when you look at who's going to make the playoffs, I'm not saying that they're my odds-on favor, but they're, they're still technically there. They're 6-7. and seven. Absolutely, they win, they win this game, Tim. They they they're right there, right? Right, right. And and this is with the team. Okay, Matt Ryan, uh, you know, bless that guy. He's he's just not had the the luxury this year of having uh, a complete offense around him. And, and Pitts has been the guy, but he's he's hitting a rookie wall. I think Ridley basically just gave up on this team. I don't even know what he's doing right now. Uh, you name it, running back, put it back there, Davis or or. Like you said, Patterson, whoever you're going to put back there, has been the star. You know, Patterson's been actually the star of the team when you think about it. So they're doing it with, like, just whatever they can throw at it to make it stick. But you're right. If they can win this game, they go to 500. They're still in the playoff race. I mean, it's amazing what they've done here. But at the same time, longevity-wise, even if they made it, Tom, they're an easy out in the first round. Yeah, very, very easy out. And you could say that about any one of these teams that's going to sneak in. You could say it about Minnesota. You could say it about, you know, Minnesota, they're calling for his head. They're calling for him to be fired, <laughs> right? New Orleans, it, it, anybody believing in Taysom Hill to win here? That's why I want San Francisco to get in because I think San Francisco could be that apple cart upsetter. But this one, Cincinnati, Denver, again, we're, we're talking about playoff team situations here, and nobody's talking about Denver after the way that they, the middle of the season went for them. But, Tom, they're 7-6. and six. They're a half game behind the Chargers right now for second place in the West. They're at home, and they bring in a, a Bengal team that we talked about the AFC North. They're half a game behind first place Baltimore. Denver, field goal favorite at home. Yeah, you look at Denver, they have a lot of explosive weapons on offense. Williams and Gordon is a great one-two punch. Um, they have Noah Fant, and they have Hinton, and they have Patrick, and they have Judy, and they have Cortland Sutton. And Teddy Bridgewater just can't seem to get them the ball. Go look at the stats for Sutton over the last couple of date games. Go look at the stats for Jerry Judy. I mean, 
something's broken offensively, but they do have a lot of weapons. And defensively, I told you when Von Miller's traded, Von Miller's a little overrated, guys. And people, oh, what are you talking about? Well, look at this defense. They're still very good. Patrick Sertain is a pro bowler right now. And you start to break this down, and you go, this is going to be a, a real good game because Cincinnati's run defense is top five in the league. And you start to go, okay, well, you know, what can Denver do? That, that's what this is. Power against power. Williams and Gordon against a top five run defense is the game within the game to watch here. When you look at these two teams, who, who are you more worried about? in the playoffs? Would it be Cincinnati because of their offensive explosiveness? Yeah, Cincinnati's dangerous, and I think everybody kind of fears Cincinnati. But it's not necessarily because of their offense. It's because of that running defense. Top five running defense in the league. If you get into that and a Jonathan Taylor goes up against them, or a Derrick Henry goes up against them, or a New England Patriots with, with their running back duo goes up against them, all of a sudden, Cincinnati's dangerous because you're, you're going to be able to stop the run. I look at the other side, and you know I know that Cincinnati's seemingly the easy answer, but Denver has a tendency to be able to slow things down. And when you slow things down, I think that that's the way that you beat a Patrick Mahomes. So if you are targeting, and the Josh Allen, by the way, if you're targeting the upper echelon teams, if you're targeting the Kansas Cities and the Buffaloes of this division, of this conference, well, yeah, those two teams they will be suffered by Denver. The other teams, though, the teams that love to run the ball, the teams that I just mentioned, Indy, Tennessee, Baltimore, Cleveland, New England, yeah, they got to watch out for Cincinnati because of that run defense. So Burrow's fun to talk about, and Chase and company are fun to talk about, but it's that run defense that I look at, and I'm going to learn a lot about them right here. I think we're going to learn a lot about this team by this game and how they handle this running attack. Sunday night football. New Orleans in Tampa to take on the Bucks. Tom Brady and company, 11-point favorites, Tom. Tom Brady and company, 11-point favorites, Tom. Uh, look, Tampa's doing Tampa. Yeah, but this is a dangerous game because Sean, Mc, uh, Sean Payton owns Tom Brady. I'm sorry, but he just does. Tom Brady's 0-3 in the regular season against the Saints since Tampa Bay, since he's come over from Tampa Bay. 21-5 against everybody else, Tim, right? In those three games that Tom Brady has not beaten Sean Payton since he's come to Tampa, in those three games, he's committed eight turnovers, and the Saints have scored 36 points. So listen, you're going up against a rushing defense here that uh, Jonathan Taylor, wouldn't, wouldn't he, wasn't even attempted. Frank Reich said, we're not even going to attempt to run on you. Remember that Buffalo said, you know what? We're, no, we're not even going to attempt a, a rush at all. Nobody's t daring them. And you know what? You have Taysom Hill and Alvin Kamara. They had almost 200 yards rushing last week. They only can rush. They have to rush. So this is strength against strength. But, man, I cannot get over the history. And I know you're not supposed to handicap games on what's in the past. But for some reason, Tom Brady... And Sean Payton, they got a weird thing going on where Sean Payton's teams just beat up on Tom Brady's teams. So I can't lay double digits in prime time in a divisional matchup when I'm looking at those numbers. Does Sean Payton not being on the sideline tomorrow matters to you, Tom, or is he still actively involved in this game plan? I think he's still actively involved, but it certainly isn't making me take the Saints. You know, mm -hmm. I looked at the Saints, and I said, everybody's going to be on Tampa. I'll look at them with 11. Sean Payton's not on the sidelines. Yeah, I'm not going to do that so much. But I do think he's going to be so, so a part of this. Sean Payton's somebody that we know 
he's not gonna, you know, he's not gonna let just hand over the reins here, Tim. You know, he's going to be actively a part. Monday night, so we're gonna move to Monday. We got a double header. You like yelling at technology? Listen, any. All right, we got a, a double header on Monday night, Minnesota. And your Bears, Tommy, the Vikes, a six-point favorite at Soldier Field. Look, I think the Bears are a dangerous team in this spot. Um, they're a dangerous team because Kirk Cousins is bad on primetime. We know that. Kirk Cousins is also 1-5 against the Bears for whatever reason. Um, of the, the last four games, every one of them has been a one-score game. They play close. Now, the Bears cannot stop the run. So Dalvin Cook should have a field day. But the Vikings cannot stop the run. So David Montgomery have a, might have a field day, right? Justin Fields, he doesn't look great. He's an unpolished product. But he's been averaging over the last three games 28 points per game. Vikings, 30 points per game over the last month. So you have two offenses that I think are going to be able to move the ball on the ground. Two running kind of games. This is in Chicago. It's in Chicago in prime time, getting points. Justin Fields, there's going to be that if you watch the Bears games, Justin Fields is not a complete product by any stretch of the imagination, but he's got flair. And every now and then we see one of these guys have just that, that game that puts you on the planet, that kind of breakout game. This could be that against this banged up and just obliterated Minnesota team. Minnesota is almost in the playoff chase, Tim, and everybody in Minnesota is calling for Zimmer's head. It's an interesting scenario because you might have two new coaches playing in this rivalry next year. The actually early game for the Monday Night Elevator, it's a 2 o'clock Pacific start. The Raiders, your Las Vegas Raiders in Cleveland, to take on the Browns and the Brownies, a field goal favorite. I don't even know who's going to play for the Browns in this game, Tom. Yeah, we, we can't talk intelligently about this at all. We, we, we don't know if Mayfield's going to be in there. We don't know uh, who's going to play. Well, I, I will say this. You know, the Browns, um, their key players are not on COVID, though. I know they have a lot of players on COVID. They do. They have a lot. Miles Garrett wasn't there. Wasn't on COVID. He's a key player on defense. They're, they're key player on defense. Nick Chubb wasn't on the COVID list. All right, he's a key player. Can this Browns team win? with just running the ball a New England style with Nick Chubb and playing decent defense with, with Miles Garrett, I think they can because the Raiders are just in the tank right now. So I can't speak overly intelligent about a game that we have no idea. There's 20 players on COVID list. It's absolutely ridiculous. But I will say this. Look, the Raiders have lost five of the last six games. The Raiders are 1-5 against the spread. The Raiders have scored more than 16 points just once in those last six games. This team is just bad right now. The Raiders are, are the second-to-worst team in the NFL on third-down conversion rate. They're, they're, they're a bad team at bad offense. They cannot run the ball. And the only saving grace that any Raiders fan has is look at what we do on Thanksgiving. That was an anomaly. It was a fluke. Take that game out and get just deal with the fact that for the better part of two months, your team has been bad. They cannot score. I see everybody loading up on the Raiders here, and I get it. 20 players are out. But now that it's moved to Tuesday, now that there's going to be new protocols, maybe there won't be 20 players missing for Cleveland. And at full strength, I love the Browns. Two games on Tuesday to end the week. And both games will start at 4 o'clock. So if you have the package, which a lot of people do, you'll be able to watch both these games. Seattle at the Rams, Tom. 
Seattle. We talked a couple weeks ago about the end of an era with Seattle. They've won two in a row since then to move to five and eight. The Rams, a game behind Arizona for first place in the West. And the Rams, six-and-a-half-point favorite. They're at SoFi Stadium. Yeah, look, the, it's a short week. Everyone's going to be on the Rams. They just watched what they did to Arizona. But again, an emotional spot. Russell Wilson has scored 30 points in each of the last two games. He looks good. He looks healthy. He looks back. Uh, I still worry about the Seattle defense, though. The Seattle defense is still the second to worst in the league against the pass. And I think that the Rams are going to come in here with Cooper Cup and everything that they do through the air. Matthew Stafford looked real good on Monday night. We have gotten the, the monkey off his back that he can't beat good teams. Well, this is a bad team. This is the type of team that the Rams usually, well, not the Rams, Matthew Stafford usually cleans up on. A bad team, under 500, struggling, kind of playing out the string here against a bad secondary. I think the Rams are the team that everyone's going to be betting on, but I just can't see betting against them here. And the other matchup, NFC East, Washington and Philadelphia at Philly. The Again, when you look at these teams, Tommy jumbled up in a fight for the one of those last wild-card spots. Both these teams are 6-7. and seven. Line is Philly, minus 6. Yeah, you can't go near this one. Washington right now literally would be on a guy that they picked up off of their practice squad that isn't the starter at center. So their center went down. Their backup center went down. They grabbed somebody from the practice squad, Tim, to be their center. He's out for COVID. Okay? So you're talking about literally a, a guy that was the backup on the practice squad will be snapping the ball. And outside of the quarterback, guess who touches the ball every single time? The center. Okay? So you don't only have that. You also have Taylor Heineke, who probably won't make it back for this game. It, it's just a complete mess. You have to like Philly in this spot. But you can't go out there and bet them because all of a sudden, we could start to see, because the NFL get, did give us time, just like the Browns, we can see this team start to get healthy. With a healthy Taylor Heineke and a healthy Antonio Gibson and a healthy Terry McLaren, who was in practice, and a healthy offensive line, Tim, healthy Non-COVID, Washington, I love them with the points. I like them with the points because you have to pass on Washington. Washington has the third-worst pass defense in the NFL. Well, who's got the third-worst passing offense in the NFL? The Philadelphia Eagles, right? So this is Philly going to have to pass, which they cannot do, because they have to go up against this defense that can't defend the pass. I like them with the points all day long if they are healthy. But when I see a fourth-string center, He's going to be touching the ball every single time. You cannot go near this game, Tim. Basically, Washington is running a Craigslist ad looking for a center. Is that Yeah, I mean, it, on, you know? it, we really are. If you think about the center position, it's so underrated because they touch the ball every single time. And it's not that, oh, well, you know what, he's going to fumble the ball. The communication between him and a backup quarterback, chances are, now, well, if they play the game tomorrow, which they're not, but if they play the game tomorrow, the guy snapping the ball to the to the, the guy catching the ball, meaning the center to the quarterback exchange, would have never done it ever. You know, never. There's not there's not been a practice where the fourth string center is giving it to the second string quarterback. You know what I mean? And so they've never been on the field together, and they're going to have to handle the ball every single time. That is massive in my mind. I'm with you on Philly all year long. It's just being a fraud. I mean, look, even if they win tomorrow, 
against a fourth string, essentially fourth string center and a COVID-ridden team to move to 7-7, seven and seven, Tom. Their wins are against Atlanta, Carolina, Detroit, New Orleans, the Jets, and I'll give them that. They won at Denver handily. That, that was a nice win, but th- those are the wins this year. Nobody of importance. Nobody basically in the playoffs other than the Broncos at this point. Yeah, I think they're complete and utter fraud. I don't think Jalen Hurts is a starting quarterback in this league. Uh, and I don't think he should be. I think that uh, Nick Sirianni is not a head coach in this league, and he shouldn't be. And they're kind of just doing this but with smoke and mirrors and hoping for the best. And, of course, we'll be off Christmas week for week 16, but stay tuned to the website as we'll release our free plays for week 16 uh, during the week. If you look at the big matchups, Tom, in week 16, you got Buffalo, New England. That's going to be a, a huge one there for the NFC East. This time in New England, Tommy, the weather should be a little rowdy as well. Early line would be New England right now, about two-point favorite. Yeah, it's going to be interesting how New England comes off of this loss. It's not a big deal, you know, when you lose uh, after winning seven straight. But it's interesting how you back, bounce back, especially with a young quarterback, especially in this position. I think New England will be fine. They're very well coached, obviously. But I do have my worries about Mac Jones hitting that wall. He didn't look good tonight. He certainly didn't look good when he threw threw, threw three passes the last time we saw him. So, you know, he hasn't looked good in a couple of games. I'm real interested to see if he's able to step it up and actually be that guy. I I think a lot is going to be said on this line. You know, it's a, it's an early line. Now, what if Buffalo goes out tomorrow and just steamrolls Carolina like we think they're going to be? Do you still shade New England uh, right around a field goal favorite at home, even with uh, Buffalo coming in on a high and New England coming in probably on a low, right? I mean, I know it's only a day it's only a day difference, so it's not like Belichick's getting all this extra time to, to welcome Buffalo in. Yeah, I'm going to be taking the, the Bills no matter what here. Um, I think that Buffalo was embarrassed. They got asked if they were embarrassed. Remember, you know, I mean, they, they literally got asked, are you embarrassed? And they flipped out at that question. I like that reaction. I like the fact that they were sitting in back going, wait a minute. You know, you're questioning a defense that gave up 14 points. If, Daw- if Dawson Knox catches that ball in the end zone, we're, we're having a completely different conversation. Buffalo's back on top. No problem. They're going to win the division. Everything's fine. We're talking about a guy that that got hit in the hands. And the play before that, by the way, Stephon Diggs dropped a ball in the end zone as well. So, you know, it's funny how narratives are written on one play. It's funny how narratives are written because it's taking what they want to say. I watched that whole game. I watched them get gashed on the run. Yes, they did. They also only gave up 14 points, right? I mean, at the end of the day, they also gave up 14 points. And the Buffalo Bills were in a position to win that game. Besides just that, Dalton Knox missed a couple of big-time catches, but... The Buffalo Bills are a passing team that tried to win a game in a passing situation. I think Josh Allen threw the ball 37 times in ridiculous wins that night. And even at the end of the game, had a chance to win. Just because they didn't get it done I, I, I doesn't mean they had a bad game, in my opinion. You held the Patriots to 14 points. You had windy conditions, which worked much worse against you than against them because Buffalo can't run the ball. I think they're going to be out for revenge. 18-9-1, that's the free play record so far this NFL season with free with uh, the free plays here on Heat Wave Sports. So here we go, Tom, week 15. Let's keep it running. We were 2-0 last week. 
Who do you like tomorrow as the free play for Tommy Barton? You know, I, I'm, I'm actually giving you a free play for Monday Night Football. All right, because I like a couple of things tomorrow, but I, I'm I'm a little dicey. I'm giving you a Monday night football free play if we can do that, and give me over 43 in Chicago and Minnesota. I just mentioned it. Neither one of these teams can stop the run. I think Dalvin Cook has a huge game. I think Montgomery has a huge game. They're both averaging 28 points or more over the last three weeks. I think Justin Fields can get in there, and to me, this is a game where both teams are not only good. This game is not even going over 43. I think both teams can get into the third. I think it's very high scoring. Give me an easy over in Chicago and Minnesota. Tommy likes over 43. Bears, Vikings, Monday Night Football. All right, Tom. Timmy Teaser. It's on a roll again. Three in a row. So we're uh, we're on fire this year, as you know. Tell me if you like this one. Here we go. We're going to ride Tom Brady on the Sunday night game. We'll take 11 down to 4. Not only is Tampa on a run right now. Not only are they looking to seal up uh, not uh, just a playoff spot, but we're looking at that number one seed in the NFC. But there may be a little bit of uh, – not only is Sean Payton out with COVID, right, for the second time, I, Tampa still has that ugly loss earlier in the year to the hands of the Saints, Tom. I think a little revenge is due here. Give me minus the four in Tampa. And we've been doing the, the total with the, with a side here lately, so I'm going to keep that streak going as well. I know Lamar's out. I think Huntley has, has um, progressed to the best he can. I would say that he's going up against his old mates here in Green Bay. And I think Green Bay is going to be able to put some points on the board against Baltimore tomorrow on that secondary as well. Aaron Rodgers playing unbelievable right now. As much as I don't like the guy, he's, he's putting points on the board. So how about over the 36-and-a-half in Baltimore? I think we can get there as well, Tom. Over Baltimore Packers and Tom, Tom, uh, Tom, and the Sunday Nighter. I I like it. I like it a lot. I um, yeah, I, I always try to guess your teasers, and uh, I thought it was going to be how about a, how about a little Buffalo Tampa Bay action? I thought you were going to be going with. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's where I thought you were going to. You hear the music, sir? Tell everybody about Tom Barton Sports YouTube and and where we're going to be uh, tomorrow here. Yeah, guys, listen. We're going to be back here tomorrow night. Go check it out. Tom Barton Sports over on YouTube. Tomorrow morning, we're going to have a little bit of Colts talk in the morning on SGN. Hashtag SGN Sports Garden Network. You want to bet show. Go check that out. Also, the podcast, it's Tom Barton. Believe in betting and believe in the Ivy League. Please go check that out as well. Have a good night, everybody.